Amen. Morning, church. How are we all doing? Come on, give everyone, give someone on your right-hand side, left-hand side, give them a, a nudge, give them a high five. That's it. Lovely. Say good to see you. Great to see everybody. Great to see anyone visiting us today at Fields Church. This is where we are right now. Uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Adrian French for speaking last week. No one knew it. On Saturday, he had a raging toothache and um, he had to go for an emergency appointment in Bury St Edmunds on the Sunday morning but bless his heart he recorded the message in the afternoon so we were able to hear a message last week so um, uh, and he's going in for a, a procedure at some point he's got some problems with his heart so bless his heart to step up to the plate and preach last week I was really proud of him so let's continue to pray uh, for Adrian and thank uh, God for him uh, one announcement that I've got to make, it's Christianity Explored. Second week of Christianity Explored. We had a great week last week. We got 20 guests and we got six people uh, delivering the, 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 the materials each week. So I just want to remind all the guys, Christianity Explored tomorrow night at 7.30. Can't wait to see you guys and uh, carry on with that. You know, one thing I just wanted to mention is I think this has been the most difficult year, trying to lead the church virtually, not being able to see people like we could every single week, you know, preparing a message live before everybody, having uh, live worship. The worship was great this morning, guys. I want to thank Danny and Kimberly for stepping up every week and uh, just sharing their gifts and their talents with us and this stripped back form of worship. So, yeah, I found the last year really challenging and pretty difficult, but God has kept us. And we need to look forward, guys, to what God has for us. Like Esther says, we got this roadmap and I believe God wants to move us out of where we are and take us into an amazing future with him. Can you say amen? Let's pray before I get into the word this morning. Father God, I thank you for Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. Easter's coming where we celebrate the death, burial, and the resurrection of our risen Lord. He is risen and he lives within us. His spirit lives within us. Jesus said, he said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. And this he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So Father God, we thank you for Jesus. I thank you for you, Father. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us. And he's going to lead us this coming year as we come out of lockdown into all that you have planned and purpose for your church, Father, not just at fields, but your church world worldwide, plundering darkness to populate heaven to plunder darkness and populate heaven. Father God, we thank you for your plan, that you have plans. I want to say this to you, church, this morning, that God has plans, plural for you, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. Our future is bright because it's in Jesus. Father, I thank you for the word of life this morning. I thank you that it brings life. I thank you, Father God, that the word comes like a seed and our heart is the soil. I thank you that the word of life is going to go into every heart to produce a harvest 30, 60 and 100 fold. If you love the Lord, you'll say amen. Great to see you again. Have you got your Bibles this morning, your electronic devices? Uh, I'd like you to take notes if you can, then you can go back over the message. I'm going to share the first four verses with you. Uh, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 2 verse 1. 
And then you can make a note. I'm trying to do this um, uh, every week if I can. The next vi- verse of scripture after that will be John 3.16. I'm going to ask someone to quote that for me, although uh, I can't hear you quote it. I want to see your mouths move and your lips move. Everyone should know what John 3.16 says. And then we're going to go to the letter of John, 1 John 2, 15, 16 and 17. And then we're going to go to 1 John 5, 19. And after that, you're on your own, guys. I've given you the start. I've given you the heads up. That's all you're going to get for now. Okay, I'm starting a new series, a three-part series called The Three Enemies of Our Faith. The Three Enemies of Our Faith. You know, we think sometimes we only have one enemy, the devil. And there are two problems that we have regarding the devil. We either overestimate him or we underestimate underestimate him and there are some that don't even believe that there is a a personal devil but the bible has a lot to say about him and um, so we have another two enemies aside from the devil that we might not know about some of us might some of us not i've never heard a, a message preached on this live it's called the world the flesh and the devil they're the three enemies that we have and it's amazing that we can see all three in ephesians 2 So if you're at Ephesians 2, verse 1, Paul is writing to believers at the church in Ephesus. I'm going to read from the Amplified, first of all, and then I might use other translations as we go through it. So are you there yet? Are you at Ephesians 2, 1? That's good. Come on, get your Bibles out. Turn those pages. Get used to turning those pages so you know where every chapter is and every part of the, the, where the different books are and so on. I love this, Ephesians 2, 1, Amplified. And you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sin. You know, this verse highlights the impact of sin. Before we were Christians, the Bible says that we were dead in our sin. This is spiritual death, and it means, spiritual death means separation from God who is life. Just like garden, uh, Adam, do you remember Adam in the garden? God created man, and, and it created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in the garden. And God said to them, if you eat of the free, the tree, the free, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. You know, the death mentioned here is spiritual death, separation from God, because Adam lived uh, physically uh, after that, um, although physical death would follow. And he and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden, so they were spiritually separated from God. How incredible that must have been. You know, the price of a decision. We all have choices to make in life. Making right or wrong choices doesn't just affect us but all in our sphere of influence. The choices you make as mums and dads, good and bad, affect you, not just you, but the people you lead, your family, your children, and anyone else in your household. Or if you're someone at work, the choices, the decisions you make in your workplace, if you are in a leadership capacity in any way, don't just affect you, but every person in your sphere of influence. And Adam and Eve's wrong choice to sin impacted everyone born on the planet. Going back to Ephesians 2, 1, let's carry on with these verses. I love what Paul has to say. Uh, It says, uh, those who have believed in verse 1, and you he made alive. We were dead, separated from the life of God, but now we're alive. Are you alive this morning? Have you got your shouting clothes on? 
carries on to say in in, in verse 1, and you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. Verse 2 says, in which you once walked. This is talking about everyone prior to salvation. We all walked this way. Now that word walked, and hopefully Ian might have this uh, posted up for you. Someone might add this on the screen for you. The word walked here means the way we lived our lives, the way we conducted ourselves, our way of life, and the things we were occupied with. How did we live prior to salvation? We were probably selfish, living for ourselves, uh, preoccupied with the things that this world can give us. And, you know, I used to think that a successful life was having nice things, nice house, nice car, nice life. You know, there's more to things than life. These things are okay. There's nothing wrong with things as long as we adopt the following attitude. Do these things have us? Do we have things Do we have things or do those things have us? You know, the world offers us many things and says, if you get all these, if you accumulate a lot of stuff, you will be happy. And a good friend of mine once told me this about this. He said he he summed it up this way. Get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. Did you get that? So he summed life up like this. Get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians 2.1. And you he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins, in which you once walked, you were following the ways of this world. I want you to underline the word world. And if you can't underline in your Bible, throw that away and get another one that you can write in. In my Bible, my pastor would say to me, it's okay to write in your Bible, it's all right. And uh, underline the things that uh, stick out to you and uh, come out to you. And it says there, in which you once walked, you were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age. Can you see this? We were all influenced by this present age prior to salvation. And who promotes everything that's going on in the world that is contrary to the things of God? It says there, in accordance with the prince of the power of the air. So who's this? Let's read on and find out who this is. In accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan. So I want you to underline the word Satan. You've just underlined the word world. Now I want you to underline the word Satan. Look at this. The spirit, you know, Satan is a spiritual being. The spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving who fight against the purposes of God. You know, we can clearly see from these verses, we were influenced by Satan and the ways of this world. It also says that Satan is at work in those who don't believe. In verse 2, he's called the prince of the power of the air. Now, more about him as we go on. Let's go to verse 3. Excuse me. Among these unbelievers, we all, everyone say we all. That includes everyone born on the planet. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. I want you to underline the word flesh. And then it goes on to say, it says, our behavior governed by the sinful self, indulging the desires of human nature. 
without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. You know, we can clearly see here all the three enemies described in these few verses, the world, the flesh and the devil. And what I'm going to do over the next three weeks, I'm going to look at each aspect of what that means, the world, the flesh and the devil, and the, uh, the way these three enemies played a part in our life prior to being Christians. And if we're honest and we're not careful, all three have the potential to affect us as Christians today. So I'm going to teach what the Bible has to say about these three enemies. And I'm going to give a bit of background this morning, just laying a bit of a foundation. So let's have a look at the word, uh, the meaning of the word world. The world has three basic meanings in scripture. The world, the cosmos, it's referred to as the cosmos, it's referred to as the earth. It's also referred to as this world system. So cosmos means, it means order or arrangement. It refers to the universe. The earth can relate to the planet, but it also relates to everything God created. That's everything that God created on the earth, its inhabitants and all things, everything upon it. It also means the earthly state of human existence. It also relates to this world system which is full of idolatry, corrupt leaders, the hostility of this world, man's inhumanity to his fellow man. And it also means hostility to Christ and the gospel. So it's the spiritual forces of wickedness behind the people. The Bible says that we're not fighting flesh and blood. So we're not against people. Our fight isn't against people. It's the spiritual forces of wickedness behind these people. And you know, there's this dichotomy, isn't it, that we have about the world. Our next verse of scripture is John 3.16. I want someone to recite that for me. Who knows what John 3.16 says? Just put your hand up and you can recite it for me. Without looking at your Bible, just say it for me. For God so Love the world. That's what it says. And it goes on to say something else after that. But that's, this is what I want to focus on. It says, for God so loved the world. God loved the world. But the next verse of scripture in the letter, the first letter of John, 1 John 2.15, it's the back end of your Bible. If you want to have a look at that, the apostle John wrote this in 1 John 2.15, the new King James. He said, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So here we have this dichotomy, don't we? It can seem quite confusing that we're not to love the world. But Jesus said, or God said, for God so loved the world. And the apostle John wrote, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So this can seem a little bit confusing. But God so loved the world. And yet the Apostle John says, do not love the, the world. What do these things mean? This means that Jesus loves the people in the world. And we're meant to love the people in the world. You know, he's called the saviour of the world. He's not just the saviour of Christians. He loves everybody. God loves everybody. And he's called the light of the world. But the Apostle John is talking about this world system. He's saying, don't love the things of the world. Because Jesus calls us to go into all the world. That's what he said 
in Matthew 28, 19. We're not going to go to that verse of scripture, but he said, um, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, tribe and tongue, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, God's not ticked off with the world. You know that he's not cross with the world. God so loved the world and he didn't come to condemn the world. If you go on to read John 3, 16, 17 and 18, it says Jesus wasn't sent into the world to condemn the world, but to love it and save it. That's what he came to do. That was part of the call that God called him to go in to the world and reach everyone for him and we got to do the same God loves people you know we, people don't want to hear how bad they are people don't want to hear how sinful they are they probably know how sinful they are and our job isn't to go around telling people how sin, sinful they are and tell them to repent and have a message of, of condemnation we're meant to love what Jesus loves and hate what Jesus hates he loves the people of the world but he doesn't like the way this world system is being governed at the moment We're to love the people of the world, but not embrace the values of this world system. So what does this world system look like? You're in 1 John 2. Go to verse 16. We're going to read what the New King James says. It says this. For all that is in the world, look at this, the lust of the flesh. There's that word flesh again. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You know the word lust, the word lust in the Greek in this verse means the following. If you've got your notepads and, and, a, and a pen, you can write this down. It means, it means desire. It means craving. It means longing. But it also means desire for what is forbidden it's an unhealthy desire we all have desires but some of our desires might be unhealthy and they might not be good for us it's an unhealthy craving have you ever craved something so bad you would do anything to satisfy the craving I know some of you I spoke to someone yesterday uh, that they said they were following Lent it's 40 days, is it, Len? I, I, I can't remember. And, you know, you're meant to give up things. And this person said they're giving up sweet things. How do you feel after you've given up Lent for maybe 40 days and you haven't eaten chocolate and you've got a few bars of chocolate in the fridge and you really crave the chocolate? Who's had that, that kind of craving before? Yeah, look at, look at all those sinners out there. Look, look, turn to the person next to you who's got their hand raised and said, you're a dirty little sinner. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> bad pastor that's not nice pastor you shouldn't say things like that but it's true isn't it when you crave something so bad you'll do literally anything to satisfy that craving. that's what this is talking about you know it says in again we're not going to go there it says in Genesis when Eve saw the fruit now God said to Adam he said you can eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they could partake of every tree. You know, one of the most interesting things about that is that the tree of life was also in the garden. And I thought about that when I was studying this, and I thought the tree of life was in the garden already. You know, they could have partaken of the tree of life prior to sinning and lived on forever. I find that astounding. But it says, if you were to go to Genesis 3, we're not going to go there. But if you were to read that account, it says in Genesis that Eve saw the fruit, that it was pleasant to the eyes 
and a tree to be desired. Now the word, the Hebrew for the word pleasant means the following. You can write this down in your notes. It means longings of one's heart. It also means lust. Now we think of lust and we think of things that, you know, lustful in our thinking about other people and that kind of thing. Maybe a physical kind of lust. But this was different. So it means longings of one's heart. It means lust. It means covetousness in the bad sense. That's the word pleasant. When she saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eyes. And you know the the word desire in Hebrew means to covet and it means to lust. So it's the same root word that we see in 1 John 2.16. You know our desire... There's nothing wrong with desire, but as long as our desires are in the right place, our desire should be for God in the right sense. Let's desire Jesus and chase after Jesus. You know, a changed life. We've been translated, the Bible says, we've been taken out of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his dear son. We were in darkness, now we're in light. You know, our world is full of darkness. And when we were in the world, prior to giving our lives to Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're in uh, his kingdom right now. You're in the kingdom of God. But prior to that, we lived in darkness. And we followed the course of this world, the way the world thought, the way the world acted. That was our way of life. You know, a changed life, is evidence that we're not following this world again. I don't know about you, but since I've been a Christian, I'm changed. I've been transformed by the word of God, and I'm sure you have as well. So that's the evidence that we're not following the ways of this world again. And we're going to clarify that hopefully as we go on. You know, the passion, the passion translation says of 1 John 2.15, that's the that's the joy of having an electronic device like a phone with your version app on it. You can type that verse in and then you can type in the translation and it gives you loads of different translations. So I like an old fashioned paper Bible, but there are times when I do like to uh, look at my, my phone because I can go to other translations very quickly. But the Passion says of 1 John 2.15, when they go back to verse 15, it says, Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of this world. There's the problem. It's when we begin to love the things of this world and long for, looking back like Lot's wife did, looking back. She was told not to look back. And she looked back, longingly probably, desiring the things of the world that she was going to leave. And she turned into a pillar of salt. Let's not look longingly back at the things of the world that enticed us to sin and do things that God didn't want us to do. We can't replace our love for God with the love of what this world offers. Okay, so I'm going to read that again. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of this world. The love of the Father and the love of this world are incompatible. Verse 16, for all that the world can offer us, look at this, the gratification of our flesh. Now we're going to come to that. Uh, that will be the last message that I teach. I'm going to talk about the, the, the desires of our flesh and what the flesh really wants. That's our old sort of nature, our old way of thinking. The allurement of the things of the world and the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father, 
but from the world. Verse 17, for this world and its desires are in the process of passing away. You know, at some point that this world is going to pass away, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible clearly teaches that. But those who, who love to do the will of God live forever. So we're meant to do the will of God. So he's saying to us, I want you to come out of the world. I still want you to reach the world. I want you to reach the peoples of the world. But I want you to keep focusing on the things that this world can offer us. And, you know, we can see clearly the devil's influence in the world. Let's have a look at another verse. If you want to go to you're in 1 John already, go to 1 John 5, verse 19, the New King James. How's everybody? Are you doing all right? What I don't want, what I don't want is for you to think that this is a message of just condemnation. It's definitely not. The word of God is meant to encourage us, uplift us. But there's a lot of warnings in the Bible of people that have gone on before us that are probably a lot wiser than we are. And they're just warning us about the way that the world is going. And we as Christians, if we're living for Jesus... Let's not be influenced by what the devil can offer and what this world can offer and what the flesh desires. Let's look at this other verse, which we'll see again when we study the devil. So 1 John 5, 19, again, just painting a picture here. So it says in 1 John 5, 19, the New King James, we know that we are of God. Look at this. And the whole world, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The new living of that verse says this. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. We can see this quite clearly, that Satan is the God of this world system. And he can influence and does influence the mind of unbelievers. Just think about the, the awful dictators that we've seen in our world. And there are still some today that have killed their very own people. You know, again, it's not the person, but the spirit that's behind the person. Can you see that? We can see that Satan is called the spirit of this world and he's a spiritual being. And one thing that we have to understand, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do we get that? It doesn't belong to the devil. He's an intruder. He's a squatter. But we're going to read more about him later. We can also see the world's antagonism towards the gospel. And if you want to go to uh, the book of John, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to go from verse 15 and uh, chapter 15 and read verse 18. And then we're going to go to James 4 verse 4. And we're going to have a look at what this says. In John 15, verse 18, the New Living says this. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. How many of you know it's not popular to be a Christian in this day and age? Eh? How many of us have, have faced persecution, even from our own families? I'll never forget when I first got saved um, and I came back to England for a holiday 
and I sat my three brothers down and I was quite passionate and very zealous in those days. How many of you were zealous when you were a young Christian and you said things that didn't probably help people uh, to follow Jesus because we were so zealous? And I sat my brothers down and I said, I've become a Christian now and I want to find out from you. They were all sitting on this settee uh, all together. First time I've been with my brothers for many, many years. <clears throat> Two of them have sadly passed on uh, since that time. And I sat them down. I said, I've become a Christian now and I want to know where you sit with God and they just tore shreds off me <clears throat> but I thought you know what I'm not offended by that because this scripture says you know if they hated if they hated Jesus they're going to hate us even our own families we can have difficulties even with our own families especially when we're telling we're, ser we're serving Jesus now verse 19 the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it but you are no longer part of this world I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. You know, God has chosen us. He's called us. He's saved us. Why would we want to go back to darkness and do the things that we used to do prior to becoming Christians? I don't want to go back to those days uh, where I did stuff that didn't glorify God. Again, a changed life is evidence that we no longer walk in darkness and we are walking in the light. And the passion says of the next verse, James 4, verse 4, it says this. <clears throat> you have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values, this is it now, flirting with the world's values, places you at odds with God. Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. Who would like to be an enemy of God? I don't think I would like to be an enemy of God. But what about us? How are we meant to live? How is this message going to help us? As I, I'm sort of coming into land now, I've got a couple of verses for us to look at. Let's turn to Romans 12 verse 2. That's in the New Testament. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And then you've got the book of Romans, Romans 12, verse two, the new living says this. And this is what this is all about. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Look at this. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that we are a new creation the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new in our lives. So I'm going to read that verse again. Don't copy the values, the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The passion says of that verse, verse two, it says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total re reformation of the way you think. You know, let's not allow the world, the world to shape us any longer like it shaped us in the past. We're called to change the world. Amen. We've got the very life 
and light of Jesus living in us. And we're meant to go into the world to change the world. How can we do, how can we do that? That's such a big job, uh, Pastor, to, for me to change the world. Start with one person. Start with sharing your faith with your one more. We need to be praying for our one mores and thinking about the one mores that God has put in our life. You know, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you go to college, that is your mission field. And you need to be, we need to be, let me, let me not say you need to be, I don't want to come across all pointing fingers and say you need to be doing this. Come on, we've got the one, the one mores in our world. Let's start praying for the one mores, the people that we want to witness to and share our faith with. They need Jesus more than ever before. So we're not called to be like the world, we're called to change the world. Let's not adopt its values. And you know, when we become Christians, our spirit becomes alive unto God, but our not minds need renewing to the word of God. Amen. Our minds are where the, the devil has his battleground. He sows lies into our minds, seeds into our minds to get us to think we're no good. We're not worthy enough. We're not righteous enough. We're not holy enough. Let's not believe the lies of what the enemy wants to say about us, but what God says about us. Amen. But more on this as we go along. And my last verse of scripture uh, this morning is uh, Philippians 2 verse 14. I'm going to read from the New King James. How are we meant to live and conduct ourselves in this lost world? Because the world is lost, isn't it? It's a very dark place. <clears throat> How are we meant to conduct our lives? Let's have a look at Philippians 2:14, the New King James. It says, do all things, all things, without complaining and disputing. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst, look at the way this describes it, of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. How are we meant to conduct our lives? Let's not be caught up with the values of this world. That last verse of scripture said in, in Romans 12, 2. But let's be lights in the world, shining our light for Jesus and being the light uh, towards men so that they can see Jesus. So let's just think about that for a moment. Let's uh, just close our eyes, if you will, for a moment. I just want to pray and give people an opportunity, those who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, to give them an opportunity. Now they've heard this message <clears throat> to give their lives to Jesus. And you know what? You may be a visitor here today. You may be here today <clears throat> listening to what I've just said about these three enemies of our faith. And there are many enemies to our faith. But I want to focus on these three over the coming weeks so that we can see that sometimes we can be tempted to go back into our old ways and adopt the old ways that we had at the values of this world system. And this whole teaching is about warning us against these things as we see the day of Jesus' return approaching because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his bride and he's going to take his bride with him and we're going to live with him and be with him for eternity. What about you? We're a family. Fields Church is a family. What about you? Are you part of the family of God? And maybe you're here today, not by accident, I don't believe. I believe you're here by divine appointment. And I believe God has been knocking on the door of your heart as you've been listening to this message. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Are you a Christian? Are you saved? Do you believe you're going to heaven? 
Well, today you can have the assurance that you are going to heaven. You can have the assurance that you become a Christian just by saying a a simple prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to say that prayer after me, you can become a Christian and you can have the assurance in your heart that you're going to live with Jesus and be with him for eternity. Maybe you don't have that assurance, but I want to give you that assurance today. And it starts by saying a simple prayer and then getting to church and growing as a, as a Christian. So if you'd like to say this prayer after me, just say this. Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I confess my sin to you today. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Come into my life and save me. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you died a cruel death on a cross. But I also believe, Lord Jesus, that on the third day, you rose again. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart And save me now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. No, saying that prayer makes us a Christian. Going to church is a good thing, but it doesn't actually make us a Christian. Now, what I'd suggest you do if you're not involved in a local church, get in a local church that teaches the word of God. And um, yeah, start your journey as a Christian, coming to church every week and and getting connected with the body of Christ. Um, I'm just going to pray and close the service. Don't forget, we've got meeting rooms after this, so you can go into one of those. I'm going to stay on this uh, in this room and chat to people afterwards. It's been great to see you. Let me just pray and close the service. Father God, we thank you for the word of life. We thank you that in the word of life, in your, in your Bible, in the word of God, it shows us and, t- and, and how we can encourage one another and how we can be encouraged Uh, Father God, but it also warns us of things that we're to stay clear of now that we're Christians. So Father God, I just thank you for the word of life. I thank you, Father God, for every person that's come uh, to listen this morning. We just thank you that you are with them, that you surround them with your love and grace this coming week. We thank you that your word says in Psalm 91 that you give your angels charge over us to keep us and protect us in all of our ways until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.